Yo, 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 whether you're wearing pants or not, welcome to No Pants Required. I'm your host, X3C, and thanks for joining. Today's episode is going to be fantastic, just like all the others. But before we dive into the episode, do want to jump into the quickie. So let's get it popping. Let's talk about ketchup. <laughs> I hate it. I don't like the smell. Seriously. I really, it's, it's a stinging sensation to like my nose. I really do not like the smell of it. Especially when I'm on a road trip or someone orders ketchup with a meal. For me, the windows must go down or there's no eating while I'm in the vehicle. The taste, not so horrible. The few times I've had it, wasn't too bad. Um, however, I just can't get past the smell. I do not like it. But there's more. And I mean more reasons to not like ketchup. There's a Canadian ketchup brand that introduced a new summer treat. Ready for this? It's ketchup flavored popsicles. I'm awake. I'm awake. Yep. Say it with me. This is some fill in the blank. Would you eat it? <laughs> Hell, would you buy it? Seriously. Ketchup flavored popsicles are not remotely the type of snack or flavor I think about when I want a snack. But on the flip side, I love tomatoes, right? So I understand it has something to do with the ingredients. And I know possibly what ingredient is in ketchup that really just rubs me the wrong way. I have a disdain for it. I have a disdain for ketchup. I do not like it. But nonetheless, don't have to like it. There I said it. Don't like ketchup. You can at me if you want. I don't care. <laughs> and that's the quickie for today, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and others. So I want to have a conversation about the wealth gap. Specifically, specifically not about the ultra wealthy. Like I'm not really going to get into this discussion real about the billionaires and the ultra wealthy individuals. I'm I'm really more interested in the wealth gap and a growing wealth gap at the middle and lower classes. And so I'm a, I'm gonna break this down. I I, mean, I really want to talk about this gap in terms of inflation. We hear the word inflation all the time. It's it's all over the place, right? And I think inflation is important, but it's also evil. You know, some may say it's a necessary evil, but overall, I think we need better solutions on how we handle inflation. And so, for example, so let's talk about rent. So there are rent increases annually, but those wages for the renters remain the same. So think about it. You're adding to other inflationary increases like groceries, transportation, entertainment, leisure. 
you know, but those increases usually happens annually or, you know, it happens during cycles, right? It's some type of periodic cycle where those increases happen. And in some cases, like the pandemic, it happens because there are other demands and shortages that causes inflation, right? Work stoppage, scarcity of materials and resources, all of those things can have an impact on inflation in a negative way. I did mention earlier that inflation could be good and bad because it can be like, especially if you're um, a owner, homeowner, you're, you're maintaining or operating the business. There are times where inflationary increases is a good thing, right? <clears throat> so, but for many of like individuals, their personal income or wages does not increase either with the cost of inflation or not at the same rate of inflation. So what happens, literally what happens when rental rates increase due to inflation, what are the renters getting in return, right? Would it, in some cases, I think is indirect. Well, Actually, in many cases, it is indirect, right? And the renters may not visibly see the changes that's related to the cost of their rent. So I would say such as like, think about the cost of maintaining the grounds of that property. You know, the cost of that labor have increased. The cost of the materials to maintain the facility may have increased. The staff, especially if they're unionized, <laughs> Subsequently, the wages for those property employees have also increased. And there could be a slew of other things like the cost of energy or utilities have increased to maintain this particular space. The cost of, of property insurance, property taxes, uh, the, the value of the land increase. So obviously there's more taxes that's involved. There's a lot of things that really increase that are really indirect to the consumer, to the renter. So you don't really see why is my rent going up? So for all those examples, again, those indirect examples, those are costs that are indirectly related. And the renter is the individual who fit the bill. And now your rent is increased by X amount percent this next year. And it's scheduled to continue those increases for the foreseeable, well, for the foreseeable forever. <laughs> um, but what's the, but what happens when the renter's wages or their personal income increases or not increase remain flat for that period of time, that year or that cycle? But due to inflationary costs of all those items I mentioned earlier, now the value of the renter's income is less. This person can no longer afford the groceries, transportation or entertainment because now the cost to live has taken away those those I will say I won't say discretionary because some is like necessities, but has taken a hit on the pot of money that's left over. If there was money left over from the beginning, so now what do we do? So let's visualize the same example from a middle class perspective, from a homeowner living near the same community as the renter. Now, all of those inflationary costs still apply. However, the middle-class homeowner 
have been receiving this is this is key here cost of living adjustments their salary their wages their personal income have been let's say maybe parallel or greater than inflation over the past however many years so they're able to absorb those costs because their wages or personal income have also kept in line with inflation or with the increase to those goods and services so they're still able to maintain their lifestyle or better their lifestyle in some cases right so the reason I'm specifically discussing this topic is really about the haves and the have-nots. And I really get passionate when I think about how we manage society. And I know it's like you think what was society as a bigger discussion. But for me, this is all predicated or all part of the same. And so I think when we talk about inflation or inflationary measures, the Federal Reserve uses like different type of control measures to help with inflationary times that may lead to or get out of control and leads to like a recession. But for me, the problem we have is capitalism. And I said it earlier, again, it's both great design and evil at the same time so most mostly depending on an individual circumstances it can be either good or bad right and that's that's obvious right it's really all subjective to the individual and i think as society we have a moral obligation to set up an economy that is livable for everyone but most important i think this the way we live or we the way we style our economy this way of living doesn't negatively impact someone for their choices to live in a way or manner or obtain wages in a manner in which they decide or choose right it's no one path to how you make money or what success looks like to everyone right and we shouldn't look at an individual who chooses to live a certain way in a negative way versus even someone who chooses to live in a way that's more elaborate or extravagant in a negative way as well right we i think it's it's the way our society can be designed our economy can be designed it should be designed in a way where it's a value to everyone that is a participant within it excuse me <clears throat> So there have to be some type of solutions out there, right? Um, and I think I think I have some that <laughs> may be a little out of the ordinary. And that's what I usually like to bring up. I like to think about things that are not traditional. I like to think about things that are really different and how we can change society to do things differently. And I know with humanity... It's difficult. People really don't like change. They like things to be the same or the change has to be very slow and incremental so that it doesn't drastically impact an individual. And it's fair. But 
there are some cases where change is needed in order to get us out of where we are right and we can't sometimes you can't continue to do what we've always done i know that's hard right i know it's hard but we sometimes you can't you have to adjust and i feel a lot of times many individuals are not willing to adjust because they're they're used to the the prize and the joy and the entertainment that they've experienced but there are some times where you have to right and so when i talk about these examples about the wealth gap you know i think about affordable living and i know that for some people that can be a a negative term i don't view it that way but i know some could be right and so think about uh, your community your current community and maybe even the larger community surrounding you <clears throat> either the county the city or multiple cities within that county um, think about your region just all of these dif different areas and think about if you're in an area where people make air quote money you know that's that's subjective but you know sometimes folks always ask well who can afford here and the rents will keep going up and of course i explain some of the reasons why the rent does go up you do they are indirect and sometimes it is important to recognize that there are in, indirect increases to costs that we have to be aware of but also as a society it's important that we recognize the importance of the service industry you know people who prepare the food people who deliver the food people who grow the food um also those who have the wait staff in the restaurants and the different services at the bars and lounges and clubs and places the entertainment um, that we enjoy and those individuals can't live in a certain lifestyle that maybe middle class can right and but what frustrates me is when the cost of living and a cost of goods and that wealth gap continue to increase and individuals are air quote priced out of a community and now they are pushed further and further away from their jobs from the places in which they grew up or their community where they're currently maybe enjoying where they live and so now they're priced out of that environment and they're having to move further away so now what comes into play the cost of transportation um also the cost of relocation and either deciding to stay in the area the cost of an increased living but the wages don't increase and i haven't even talked about minimum wage because this conversation really is not about minimum wage it's really about understanding the individuals who are your service workers who need to have a place to live within the community that they're serving can't afford to live and many folks say not in my neighborhood not in my backyard or they're going to bring crime over here it's almost we are you ready for this word there's propaganda here we are conditioned to think individuals who need subsidies to live are criminals or they are bad people and doesn't deserve to live in the community well who's going to mow your grass who's going to remove the snow who's going to pick up your 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 trash 
right? There are many factors that we should consider when thinking about those individuals who live and maintain our communities. And we, again, we should not look at these individuals as they are lesser. They are part of our community. And so our community needs to have a design in which these individuals can also live with everyone else without having to travel an hour, increased cost to transportation. Right? I think all those things should be considered, but in the same token, there needs to be some type of measures and some type of controls and restrictions on this free-for-all capitalism, right? We can't have cost of goods and service that are only exclusively predicated on industries. There have to be, for me, I think the government plays, and government is is not a building on a corner, by the way. Government is really the systems in place to help with the flow of society. And that's how I look at it. And so I think policies have to be enacted in order to help this. There's no one solution I'm, I'm i'm telling you that now there's really no salute one solution and how we can help with the stresses of the financial stresses of individuals who want to live or live in a community in which they work but can't afford to live there right and that's just one perspective right that's just the living side of it um but also the the cost of goods and services it 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 does seem to be a little bit arbitrarily, unless there are times where you just can't get those goods or services because, again, for example, the pandemic shut down. You have, in some cases, lost in wages. In some cases, no one's producing the products or performing the, the services. And so there is a demand. And when there is still a demand for something, a good or service, there's going to be an increase to that cost until there's a period of time where things recalibrate and we have a, a, a back to a rhythm of, of society. But guess what doesn't happen? Rarely do you see the cost of those goods and services revert back to the time it was when there was no stressors onto that industry or, or society. And so I think it's very important that there are times where we should cost revert back to what they were. And that could be done through like policies and 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 legislation. And I know, you know, people don't like to hear that, but nothing is really free. Right. And you have to pay like taxes and, and be able to fund different things. But it should be done. Don't like this word, but in moderation, you know, it should be done in a way where you're not overtaxing one group to provide for another, right? Or you're not subsidizing industry or companies to provide a service, right? No, you provide that service at a cost that is reasonable. Now, they may say this is a reasonable cost for me. And then that's where, again, our elected officials have to play a part where we help control those costs for the everyday person. And there's no kickbacks going back to that politician to ensure that those costs remain what they are. Like we really need to have real human 
perspective over this. So earlier I said there needs to be some solutions and I have a few ideas, obviously. <laughs> you know, I like to be controversial in some cases, but I mean, seriously, when you're thinking about the have and have nots and the knots of the knots, I mean, we could keep going. There has to be a way we, we, we can really change the, our approach. And, and in some cases, we need to understand that there must be caps on rent increases. And I know in some areas, there are caps, like after, you know, there's a period, like some cases you can't increase rent for X amount of years. Now, I don't know if that's the right answer, but what I mean by caps, we need to explore. How do we control rent control in some cases, especially for affordable living? And look, I'm not thinking, I'm not going to really go too deep <laughs> into like affordable living because I think that is seriously a separate episode. Um, and I could be here for like two hours talking about affordable living and I am not going to do that today. However, um, I think I will create a separate podcast episode to just talk about affordable living and then the stigma of affordable living. I think that's important to just have a, some group think about that. I may bring a couple of people on for that episode as well. Also think we can pass legislation that does not increase rent to those ready for this that have not had a increase to their wages i know shocker right so if someone has not gotten an increase to their wages maybe their rent shouldn't go up either wow what a novel idea i mean seriously we shouldn't increase the rent just on everyone right understand businesses are in business to make money and they also have other increases to their bottom line as well i get it but we have to make tough choices here so um i think we can also mandate that developers like building development and building new communities not get subsidies to offset a percentage of their development for affordable units now, if it's a 100% affordable unit, that's a totally different discussion. In this example, I'm really talking about market rate of, I don't know, 80% of the, the development. The other 20% is affordable. The local taxes or governments should not subsidize those developers to fund that 20%. You know, the cost of the market rate of, of that of the, of the um, sorry, the market rate of those 80% units, that revenue, along with the revenue you bring in for the other 20% should be enough to cost, I mean, to carry the cost. Us taxpayers who are not even living in that community should not subsidize the developers at all. Sorry, not, that's not, that, I'm not looking at that. Again, this is about those that 80, 20, 60, 40, whatever that breakout is. Again, it becomes a different conversation when it's a 100% affordable living development. Um, I, again, I'll save that for another episode. Also think we can place controls on the cost of goods and services. Yep. So this is only where applicable. But um, remember years ago, I don't remember the individual's name. It just came to my mind where... I think it was HIV medication from one company. It was a, a, a individual who purchased this company and 
I believe the number I, I know was 700 percent was the increase of cost of this particular drug that this company um, was producing. And the new CEO decided, again, to raise the cost of that product by 700 percent. Like, what was the guardrails to help control or put in place to ensure that stuff like that does not happen in the future? Now, granted, it became a big issue and Congress did get involved and obviously the price was reverted back down. But this can go on throughout our society, throughout our economy, in different areas. And in some cases, well, in many cases, it's not as extreme as a 700% price increase. They'll get you with a 2% here, 2% there, 0.5% here. And over time, we're now to a 700% increase to a product or and or service. That's what I'm talking about controls. We need as a society have to have better control over the cost of goods and services and how those prices are in essence designed, right? Because it's all made up. So I also think we have to take a non monetary approach to how we govern our economy, right? You say the word economy and you automatically think about, oh, it's money, it's fiscal, right? Yes, but I think a better solution is we look at our economy from a non-monetary approach. That gives us a air quote qualitative perspective and not a quantitative number driven only it's a good healthy mix and i think that's necessary we can't do things solely based on a number only um so currently we place the value of the currency above the value of humanity that's exactly how i look at it and i see this is pervasive throughout our society and if you just take a step back and you think of anything, anything you, you, you could think of right now, the value of the currency almost always outweigh the value of humanity. You ever drive or walk past a homeless person and didn't have any reaction? It's almost like you didn't even see that person there because we so numb to not recognizing them or we so numb because we always see them. So for us, it's it's a homeless person and there's nothing touches us emotionally about that. Like you strictly were unaware or unfazed by the homeless person. If so, there, ladies and gentlemen, I think we need to reevaluate our humanity. Got to ask yourself the question, what is more important? Is it line your pockets with more money? Or making money in a moral obligated way, right? It's, it's, it's in essence, that's what I'm saying here. We have a moral obligation to design society and our economy in a way where you can still make money, but it also have a human perspective, an element to it where we're not endangering someone to make money. We're not the, the bad landlord out there 
raising prices because a I gotta afford this yacht or this boat that I just purchased because I want to have fun with my life. So therefore, you individuals in these properties, you need to fund that. We have to have a balance of our perspective of economy and humanity. Okay, friends, good chat. <laughs> Happy you guys stuck it out with me this week to talk about the have and have nots. Um, remember, positive energy leads to positive vibes. Don't forget to subscribe if this is your first time joining. No pants required can be found on Google Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Peace. Mm-hmm.